We all know how hard it is to grow, right? Especially if we are in the first month or years of our journey, of our business startup, or we're coaching, or we're writing, and we want to spread the word about us. We all know that it is pretty difficult to get the word out there. But that's exactly where I come in. I want to host an ad about your business into my podcast, Impact by Choice. So look me up on LinkedIn, Andrada Anite. I would love to work with you further on, and I would love to help you boost the visibility of your brand. Welcome to Impact by Choice podcast. I'm your host, Andrada Anitzi. And as you know, every Wednesday I have with me my special guest, Rahila Khan. Hi, Rahila. How are you today? Hi, Andrada. Uh, I'm great. And how are you? I'm very well. Thank you. It's, it's nice to have you in the show again. Thank you. And welcome to the listeners as well. And um, I must thank the listeners for all the positive feedback that we've been getting. Thank you so much for that. Thank you again for doing this, Rahila. For the listeners, I would like to mention that I will be reading a short excerpt from chapter six called The Plush Rabbit. And after that, we will dive into the question that I have for my guest. And the excerpt goes like this. You see, Rada, people see in me an ugly man. My stature and figure are of no aid. People either laugh or mock me or they just run out of my way. It hurts so badly. I never had a friend in my life. And today, you asking me to be your friend was shocking. I didn't know how to react. I'm sorry if I offended you in any way. I didn't mean that for a second. Lord is my witness that I will forever cherish the time you spent listening to me. Listening to the man's words, for some reason rather remembered the toy Dom gave her the next day after he has taken her home. As much as she loved her son and the other kids, she could never say goodbye to the plush rabbit. But now, now she felt the time to give it to someone else along with her story and life lessons has come. She said while standing up, please don't go. Allow me five minutes and I will be right back. We need to talk some more. And she reinforced, please don't go anywhere. I will also bring you another cup of tea when I'm back. With a voice of whisper, Arian said, I have nowhere to go. Sure, take your time. Next to the right upper corner of the mirror, there was a message as if, cur- as if carved in the tile saying, honor yourself and honor people. Be kind to everyone and you shall have a blessed life. That message was the first step in Arian's healing. Rahila, um, we as humans are being taught that the first impression counts more than anything beyond it, which means that we avoid in the first second of seeing someone to actually learn more by asking genuine questions and actively listening to their story. Now, considering the excerpt that I just read, please tell us what is your insight 
on the way we treat each other these days. Thank you, Andrada, for a very thought-provoking question yet again. Um, and how we treat people today is how we've learned to treat people in our past. Um, the interesting thing that came to me as I was pondering over this question was that <clears throat> given our past, the separation of humans have created more isolation than before, you know, move, moving into nuclear families as compared to before where we lived in communities, as it were. Um, I would like to begin today's episode in addressing three, the three greatest human fears. Number one, the first human fear that we had was fear of wild animals. Mm. You know, and through cluster human settlement and in, in also in having huge population and human population growth, we overcame the fear of animals with weapons and other means to frighten them off. Uh, and yet we infiltrated their natural habitat, as it were. But also in those days, gone, you know, I'm talking about centuries ago, it was living in coexistence with and harmony with nature. So somehow we managed to overcome the fear of wild animals. And today, of course, we got them in special reserves. So we feel safe in that way. And that is sad as well. But that's a topic for another podcast on another day. The second human fear was the fear of natural disasters. And as you know, through innovation at the advent of technology, um, humans managed to navigate through this to a large degree today where we know exactly where um, a tornado is going to be or a cyclone or a tsunami <clears throat> through technology and we are able to take care of ourselves or evacuate humans in a way. Right. And this is the biggest one for, for me in addressing this question is the third greatest human fear. And what do you think that is, Andrada? Um, I'm thinking about the fear of not pertaining or not being accepted, maybe. Yeah, it is. It is that and much more than that. Did you know our greatest fear, fear of other human beings? Wow. Isn't that sad? That's, that's, that's actually, I think it's not just sad, it's alarming. Exactly. <clears throat> so... When we look at Aryan, we look at Radha, we look at Dom, what had happened? Where have we gone wrong as a society? And I'd like to take, uh, you know, ourselves and our listeners back to a time, you know, after the continental drift, as you know, the world was one before. And after the continental drift, you know, through glaciers and that, um, humans became separated where the world opened up you know, the planet Earth opened up and that's why we've got this big jigsaw puzzle of the different continents as it were. Mm -hmm. And what had happened, you know, through the continental drift, somehow we all moved to different places and we're separated by the seas as it were. So 
At the very basic level of being human, we've been separated from the core of the earth. And, and it's like almost being separated from divine mother and father. As you know, planet earth represents mother energy. Yeah. And we're coming more and more into that. So what happens so often when we look at human behavior in the way we behave today is, is how we've been conditioned to, to behave. And this comes from past generational uh, patterns, conditioning, learned behavior, and old limiting belief systems. We have forgotten how to love. Instead, we have been programmed to create more separations from others. We have forgotten that at some point, way before that, when we look at, imagine we're going back to the center or the mantle of, or the core of the earth, and that is where humans took birth. We've forgotten that in the collective consciousness, we're all were dark, we're all were ignorant, we all um, didn't have skills, we were dirty, we were poor, we didn't have shelter and clothes, we've forgotten that. So in the separation of moving into the different continents, we each evolved into different cultures, different groups, and it's strange when people come to Africa, they feel like they're coming home to something. It's very interesting. Most people who come to Africa feel like a sense of belonging, a sense of coming home. Wow. And yeah, and then suddenly, like Arian, who was ostracized, I mean, if you look at his relationship with his parents, it was highly dysfunctional. Yeah. And the sad thing is, because there was no deeper connection with him as a child and the parents, he left home. And then we are faced in reality when children don't have that loving, caring, and nurturing from parents, um, and they're living in abject poverty. What does society? Society does the same. They reject it in the home environment. So when they get into a bigger community, they keep attracting rejection. Mm. So it's an energy field that we carry within us, you know, and then also we've been programmed and told by parents and society that don't be like them. They are poor. They are dirty. Don't go near them. They're not your friends. And this is where the class system originated, you know, where we believe we're superior than others that we can put other people down and make them feel inferior. And we live through that in, in South Africa and Africa. When we're looking at oppression and apartheid, that's how we felt throughout our lives of 300 years. So we're still carrying that, thinking the Western world is more superior than the African world or the Eastern world or however we want to differentiate. And this is why we are now addressing differentiation and separation. And, you know, your, this chapter in the book addresses this at a very deep level in the relationship between Radha and, and Arian. And when you look at Radha, she, she also came from a place of suffering and hardship. So what does she do? She immediately identifies with Arian. Yeah. And what happened with her? Dom did the same. He immediately identified with her when she were, he found her on the street. Yeah. So can you see again, when we've been through something, we identify it in someone else. But that will only come through greater awareness when we awaken 
for something greater than, than the class system or feeling superior or inferior. So in the way Dom reached out to her on the street, she reached out to Arian. Now, when you look at Arian, you know, he, he couldn't accept the fact that somebody wanted to be his friend. Oh, my God, how can you be my friend? Because I'm so dirty and everyone mocked me and laughed at me. How can you, you being this woman of class and you've got this, this lovely place, how can you take me in and be my friend? His head couldn't get around it. And you know what? That's what happens to most of us. We become so immune to isolation, loneliness, neglect, and abandonment that it's actually quite a shock to our system when somebody reaches out and, and shows us love, kindness, and nurturing. You can't believe that it is true. Does that make sense, Anrada? No, it makes a lot of sense because it just, you know, your answer just woke a lot of memories um, for me about similar, I mean, ex the exact, you know, um, you know that I told you in the past that whenever I'm speaking to someone, I'm speaking in, in pictures somehow. So yeah, or even yeah. in short videos, so to say. And That's I have, right. you know, flashbacks and everything from different experiences that, that happened in that way. For instance, for me, that happens very often when I get a compliment. But I also see that in other people that are being skeptical, unfortunately, um, about people that are genuinely just interested in helping them out. But as you said, due to these old belief systems, they, they just find it very hard to believe that people can be kind, that people can be have this this willingness of helping without an interest without a hidden agenda so it makes perfect yeah. sense and as i said i've seen that a lot yes and you know what the sad thing is arian you know like arian i think you and i and everyone else it's the same thing in that why why is it we go into the shock and disbelief because the very people who gave birth to us do not show us that yeah, And then we hard, it's hard for us to accept love and things from a stranger then because the very people who give birth to us, our family, don't show us love and affection and give us the things we need. Therefore, we cannot trust anyone or life to provide for us. Or I believe that there are, you know, a, I'm sure that there are families that, Get, on, get along well and do their best to, you know, effort, offer everything to, to their children. However, out of the fear of losing them or, you know, uh, out of that willingness, huge willingness of protecting them from <laughs> different things, they, they, you know, they bring in different approaches that may um, hurt the, the ch children in a way. So, That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's looking at different people from different perspectives. What is the missing ingredient in human beings? And I discovered this through my own journey of life and looking and working with hundreds and thousands of children throughout our country. And the missing, the key missing ingredient is love. So parents teach us monogamous love. Monogamous love meaning 
you love mom and dad or you love your siblings. Nobody teaches you to love beyond that. And, you know, Nelson Mandela said this. He couldn't have said it more beautifully. And he said, everybody taught us how to hate one another. Nobody taught us how to love. And if people could teach us how to hate, equally people can teach us how to love. Based on that, I reinvented my entire business. And if you look on my LinkedIn profile and in all my, in all my business flyers and advertisement in how I put myself out is, I took a leaf out of his teaching and his book. And I said, I'm going to continue the legacy of this icon, this global icon of somebody who could not spend time with his own children because he was in prison. And I said to myself, I will teach people how to love. And that is my greater vision and mission in coming into oneness. And I discovered this in every family, in working with families. So in a similar vein, when we're looking at this chapter that you so beautifully scripted and what we're discussing today is when Arian met Radha and she took him in, this was a real game changer for him. He had to unlearn his past programming coming right. from his parents and past generations. And then he had to relearn. So in relearning, we change how we are being human, that we can love ourselves, that we can open our heart center and accept love. There's nothing wrong in accepting love from somebody else other than parents. And this is where I think human beings as parents, you know, got it wrong. And a new way of being is that humans do love and care, that humans are loving, caring, and nurturing. And this Aryan had to learn from Radha. And Radha, you know what is the most beautiful thing in, the, in this plush toy? That as a child, when, when, when adults or parents give us a toy, what do we learn? We learn this is my toy. Yeah, we're, um, we learn possession, right? Absolutely. So we're learning possessiveness. And in learning possessiveness with things, we do the same thing with love. Yeah. And that is how we learn envy and jealousy and other negative emotions. Can you see that? Right. So, so Radha, in giving her toy, I mean, now she, she's an old woman, but she could give the toy because she learned about polygamous love. Polygamous love is about loving father and mother, loving my siblings, loving my neighbors, loving all of humanity. And that was the orphanage. That, was, that is what the orphanage is all about. These are children who don't have parents to teach them these values, the whole concept of love. They learn it on their own from each other. So it's truly remarkable that you know, all of this can happen uh, and the way in which you've scripted it in your book. It's truly fascinating to see that. Thank so, you. So Arian experienced in his life, what did he experience the most? He experienced rejection the most. Yeah. He experienced rejection from his parents and then from society. Remember, he was mocked and he was laughed at. So what happens? He became immune to it. Children who are so neglected and abandoned and, work and, and are street children become so immune to other humans 
the harshness of life that they can't receive love and light. So let us then relate this excerpt and rather to a larger context of our human experience. Where have we gone wrong as humans? What must we unlearn and relearn as we're learning from the characters of your book? And what came to me was that every human being has to awaken to self. And what do we mean by this? I just want to remind the listeners, and I had to remind myself as I was making notes, you know, in sharing, what happens when we are born? We get some kind of amnesia. One of the things we are doing on the earth when we come in is remembering what we forgot. And what is that? Over the passage of time, we've forgotten how to love. Mm, you're right. And this, this hit home very hard for me as I was unpacking this excerpt and this chapter. It's so amazing. Um, what do you think about that? Well, I, I strongly believe, I'm not sure how many of the listeners do believe in this, but I strongly believe in the fact that uh, we do sign a contract before we are born and yes. that we choose the people we meet in our lives and the lessons Absolutely. that we want to learn. So uh, probably that's what, what comes out in, in this excerpt in a way or in the entire book actually um but it's it's like just like you said we lost we, we need to unlearn you know i'm just gonna follow your lead and um tell the listeners that we definitely need to unlearn everything that our parents taught us and everything yeah. that society is trying to imprint in our minds and probably that's exactly why i'm a massive non-follower as I like to call myself um, and that we need to relearn exactly what you are preaching yourself that you are teaching yourself you know what what you chose to um, you know the way that you chose to continue uh, Nelson Mandela's legacy you know so I think that the more we become compassionate and the more we learn about ourselves, we can be compassionate to the others. And the more we become compassionate, then the greater our relationships as, as humans will become. If you want to learn more about the book that we're talking about, you can head to WorkApp or Amazon, look for The Man, The Moon and The Cascade. You're going to find it there. Let me know what you think about it. Thanks. Let me tell you about a new show that I came across lately. It's called One Nation Radio and is that kind of show that simply unites the entire world through the voice of the host. So just go ahead, give it a listen and support John Gora who is a new podcaster and will definitely appreciate it. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, leading on from when we're born, we come into some kind of amnesia. The other one is hypnosis. It's almost as children and as humans, we are hypnotized in a state of hypnosis that we just so willingly 
follow and do what others do and thinking that's the right thing to do without thinking about it, without investigating it. Like you said, you know, when do I become an unfollower? When do I stop following? When do I awaken where I open to a higher state of awareness and consciousness? And that's a foundation of the emotional and spiritual intelligence is, is self-awareness. So we see very quickly that the greatest feed of freedom, actually, when parents give birth to us, is that we are alone. Right. We're actually on our own. Because if we choose differently, I mean, of course, as babies, you can't, as we grow. Um, you know, there's greater discernment. We make better sound choices and decisions about relationships, how we view our siblings, how we view our parents. Um, we open our mind into what parents and society are preaching about marriage uh, and about having children. Who, whose decisions are these? You know, is it somebody else's or is it our own? And as we awaken into ourselves in this way, um, we'll find that each of us will take what we call self-responsibility. And self-responsibility is about being able to respond and having the ability to respond to any given situation. So you teach yourself resilience. You teach yourself how to trust life to provide for you. So you don't take on all this past toxic generational patterns and pathologies and perpetuate it. Now, when we're looking at what's happening globally at the moment, when we're looking at, um, you know, recently what happened in New Zealand and what's happening um, throughout the world with terrorism and so forth, it all begins in the mother's womb where some individual is carrying a lot of pain coming from the past. And I found this in working at correctional services where we worked with individuals where we call them offenders here. In other countries, they are known as prisoners. In South Africa, they are known as offenders. And what I found with working with them one-on-one -on -one and in groups, every single one of them are hurt children. True. They were beaten physically. They were sexually abused and molested. And these are burly men and women. You know, even the women are big in size. So when we, in working with them, I had the privilege of unpacking this, and I'd like to share this with the listeners. As you know, whatever I share um, in my comments on LinkedIn and on podcasts and all my interviews is as a result of my direct experiences with working with humans. So what I'd like to share today is that we inflict pain on others when we are in pain. The very adults that are inflicting pain on other humans, like you said, there's a sacred contract. There's countries, there's continents, when we look back centuries ago in terms of warfare and, and what was done and undone with different communities in how we, we've taken land, We've, we've killed people. It's all in our DNA. Every single one of us carries that in our DNA. And more and more science is showing that. Um, how intracellular memories work. So in working with offenders at correctional services, when you look at the children, because most of the time in therapy, we regress them to the time when they were younger. 
And the pain that they endured, they become so immune to it, like Arian in your book. They don't even know that they're hurting somebody else. They're so numbed out. Mm. And that is why you find even children of today on drugs, because they don't know how to handle situations that are happening in their homes. Their parents themselves are on drugs. And, and they numb out completely. So when they inflict hurt and pain on others, they look at you and they ask, what pain are you talking about? Hmm. You know, that is truly for us as practitioners working at Correctional Services. Well, for me, I was truly taken aback by that. So what I know is that when we are hurting, we hurt others. A child in the womb, that's being, if the mother is being abused. I just worked with a woman yesterday who has cancer. And in her session yesterday, she goes back to her memory when she was pregnant with the first child. She was having this uh, disagreement with her husband. And the very next thing, he pushed her down the staircase and she tumbled down with the baby in the womb. Oh. You know, and this is what women go through throughout the world. Yeah. But who cares, really? You know, even if they talk about it, she complained to her mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law is in the room and is not supporting her at all. She was only in her 20s when this was happening to her. So she didn't know how to leave the marriage. She was so ashamed that this was happening to her because she, she wanted to marry this man in her 20s. And her dad told her, maybe he's not good for you and maybe you shouldn't marry him. And she said, no, I will. So she went into a place of making a vow to herself that I can't leave because I made my bed, I have to lie in it and I will have to endure. She became the sacrificial lamb in a way. But she sacrificed her happiness for the sake of her kids now in a very toxic marriage. So where does abuse start and where does it end? So this is learned behavior beginning in the womb. That child will grow up to do the same thing. So as a society, what are we doing? We are addressing the superficial issues and that's not going to go away. Having more security, having more fences built, separating ourselves and and insulting and judging other people is not going to resolve the global issues. The global issues begin in the home of teaching every child how to love him and herself. That's where it begins. That's where leadership of love begins. If men bully their wives, the brothers will bully their sisters and vice versa. It's all learnt behavior. And what happens then, the male child given preference that it's okay to do that because the father is doing that, they have a sense of entitlement. So I'm bringing, I'm bringing the money home, I'm putting food on the table, I'm giving you everything, so what are you complaining about? In other words, the women and children have no right, even though they are humiliated and the very essence of who they are as human beings is being violated. I mean, what kind of human being is that, that does that? These are the questions we got to come to. And this is the reality of life. So going forward, when we think about having children, we spoke about it previously in the other podcast. 
We got to teach children the value of human life. We got to teach them the value of life itself, how important their life is, that they need to value themselves so they could value others as well. So as parents, we got to teach our children a greater purpose, a greater meaning for life, that when we have children, we want to create more human beings, that we do it with greater responsibility. And the huge, the greatest responsibility is on that parent who has the thought of bringing another human being into the world. What for? Why are we doing that? What is our greater purpose for bringing other humans onto the planet? So these are the, the, the leadership that we need to teach going forward. Human beings have to come into greater awareness. And, you know, so often we turn to God or there's greater in intelligence out there. And humans without greater awareness creates all the challenges. Think about it. All human issues, societal issues, are created by humans themselves. And then we turn to God. True. And then God laughs at us and says, have you looked in the mirror recently? <laughs> God will turn around and say, have you looked at the mirror recently? And if you are searching for that one person who will change your life, look again. I think that's a, very, that's a very profound message coming from God. So in other words, only we can change. Only each person can change. And I think that message that was on the mirror, as you mentioned in this chapter, you know, and I quote, honor yourself and honor people. Be kind to everyone and you shall have a blessed life. And I unquote. This message was the first step in Arian's healing when he saw that on the mirror. It changed his whole life. It changed his whole outlook to life. Can you see how positive words, positive affirmations can make a difference? Because it, it creates new neural pathways in the brain. So the more conscious we are as we awaken into being human, that's the first step in leadership, is who am I? I am love. Who am I? I am grateful. Who am I? What am I grateful for? Can you see that? I'm grateful for the breath of life. I'm grateful for my five senses. This is the basic form of leadership. That's where it starts. It starts in the home. So when we take one step towards God or this infinite intelligence, and God and the infinite intelligence will take a thousand steps towards you in allowing for the manifestation of greater human consciousness. And then, you know, we can also ask, somebody can ask, I asked life, why are you so difficult? And life smiled back and said, humans never appreciate the simple things. <laughs> Because we're yeah. so complex. <laughs> yeah, we're right. I, <laughs> Carry on, Andrada, sorry. You're, you're right. And I totally relate to this, um, to this thing that if I remember well, you send it to me in a message um, these days. I do relate to that because I always said that if I had an easy life, I would have complicated it myself. So I'm that transparent in this regard that I'm so so in tune with with this saying. So and and I'm sure that there's a lot of people that 
are just like me out there and hopefully you know they will try to understand that we need to minimize all this complexity um i'm still i'm still learning how to do that though <laughs> not only you we all are um you know the thing in life we make certain decisions okay and we don't see the bigger picture unfortunately we don't see the repercussions of our de- decisions and then as we grow and then we see you know that it is a mistake actually it's not a mistake it's a learning curve True. but we we judge ourselves so harshly and we berate ourselves to such a degree that we don't want to live anymore and when we take the lid off you know when we start feeling the emotionality of it and when we start really releasing all the toxic emotions we come to a place of well-being of ah, i can breathe you know what it's okay then there's acceptance and you know this well you know we've done it so many times yeah but you take the lid off all the emotionality of something because our body is this big empty container filled with all kinds of emotions some are hidden away some are loud some are attention seeking others are hiding away so until we each situation will allow us to befriend those emotions and when we take the lid off and we release it we come to a place of total acceptance and well-being and we fall into joy of life itself and that is why breathing is so important the moment you learn to breathe in taking a deep breath in and if you breathe right into your belly and you hold for a couple of seconds and you release just in doing that you allow your breath to anchor you that's how simple life is but we want to go and research it somewhere else <laughs> this right this right and and i remember that at some point in one of our sessions i was actually after after the session i was completely dazzled about you know everything that happened during the session but uh in particular about the effects of breathing you know the effects of the fact that i was um you know in in that state where i could barely breathe and by just you know you helping me to control my breathing and just slow it down i was completely mind blown of the effect because my body was actually hurting but when i started to breathe slower as you just said i felt mm-hmm. the actual effect and that is just mind blowing and i was like I think that for two yeah. or three days I was in that in this constant stand of oh I just I I still can't believe what happened back then you know and I was just thinking yeah. if people would understand how beneficial that kind of breathing is um probably at some point we wouldn't need you know most part of the medicine that we're taking in Yeah. You see Andrada, it's interesting we're talking about the breath of life, right? Yeah. So 
if a mom is pregnant with a child, no matter what her outward experiences are, external circumstances, external experiences, if she learns how to breathe, the baby in the womb automatically learns how to breathe as well. Right. And that calms the baby down, you see? But nobody teaches us that. And these are the simple things I teach uh, moms who are pregnant. That's why I love working with moms who are pregnant or women who, before pregnancy, cleaning out the DNA of the past, preparing the DNA for conception during the pregnancy and when baby is born. I help families through it, especially newlyweds, in coaching them how to do that. And we find that more and more mothers today are opting for natural births rather than a C-section because doctors so often today advocate C-sections for whatever reasons, you know. And lots of women today want to have, you know, water births and so on. And I watch my clients in the way they are giving birth is as though the baby gives birth to themselves. And when when I meet the babies... When they are born, there's instant acknowledgement and, and honoring. You'll see it in the light, in the eyes, you know. They're so amazing. So this is why the work I do, <clears throat> excuse me, I titled it Reengineering the DNA for New Humanity because I'm literally reengineering the DNA for New Humanity, where the babies of today are born, they're very awakened souls. Yeah. You know, they don't come with any amnesia anymore. Some of them may be born even singing or talking or with teeth, you know. So, <laughs> so it's really fascinating to see that they're so awake, even on the first day that they, you know, here on Earth play. So these are our future leaders. And I feel so on, honored and privileged to be working with the future leaders of, of our planet. So it really is all awe-inspiring um, through leadership of love that the world humanity and the world needs healing we must heal ourselves so i'd like to leave on that note and rather thank you so much i hope i answered your questions the best that i could thank you so much thank you rachela you definitely brought a lot of value today with all your inputs on you know on all sides so thank you again for being with us and for sharing your wisdom with with the listeners and for everybody out there, you will um, hear from Rahila again next Wednesday. Um, if you enjoy this episode and the podcast in general, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. We would be more than grateful. And we would also love to hear from you. So don't forget that you can leave us a voice message if you listen uh, via Anchor app, or you can send an, us an email to impactbychoice at gmail.com. We both wish you an amazing rest of the week and be blessed. Bye, Rahila. Thank you, Andrada. Got you, love you and leave you. Bye now. (laughs) Thank you for reaching the end of this episode. I wish you an amazing day ahead. And please, don't forget, smile at life and life will smile right back at you. Hey, everybody. David here. Do you guys like science fiction? If so, I just released a novel. It's called Hurtling Toward a Home, A Story of Hope. It's set many hundreds of years in the future when Earth just couldn't support us anymore. 
We thought we had more time. We didn't take it seriously. We didn't listen to what was being said. And now we have to suddenly build ships and figure out a place to go, but where? So we decide to just go everywhere, to just send ships off in every direction that any scientist has ever said could potentially support human life to give us the best chance of survival. We're going to try every planet. So we built ships and loaded supplies and robots on them and shipped them ahead to try and prepare and test the planets uh, to make sure that they were suitable as we were building our fleet to leave for our great exodus from Earth. This particular story follows one ship, the Hope, and one young man, Jonathan, as he's always dreamed of living this life of adventure from what he's seen from old Earth movies and read in novels and he longs for that type of, of an adventure he longs to set foot on a planet and yet he is not but after his 16th birthday he gets sent off on a secret mission and an adventure that he never thought he would ever be able to live I am so excited to share this journey with you guys and I thank you guys for checking it out. Again, Hurtling Towards a Home, Story of Hope by David Calvert.